Welcome to this special edition of the Strategy Driven Podcast, an interview with Gail Martin, author of 30 Days to Social Media Success. On behalf of the entire Strategy Driven team, I would like to welcome you to this special edition of the Strategy Driven Podcast, an interview with Gail Martin, author of 30 Days to Social Media Success. The Strategy Driven Podcast focuses on the tools and techniques executives and managers can use to improve their organization's alignment and accountability to ultimately achieve superior results. These podcasts elaborate on the best practice and warning flag articles found on the Strategy Driven website at www.strategydriven.com. In this special edition podcast, Gail Martin shares with us her insights and approaches to effective business marketing using social media outlets such as Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and blogging, marketing that drives traffic, and ultimately results in increased sales. So now, without any further delays, let's get started. We are privileged to be joined by Gail Martin, author of 30 Days to Social Media Success. Gail is a marketing expert and international speaker and the owner of Dream Spinner Communications. She is the Get Results resource for marketing that works, helping small and startup businesses, consultants, coaches, authors, and solo professionals succeed through affordable publicity. Gail, welcome to the Strategy Driven Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. It is great to have you on the show, as we had the opportunity to talk about in our pre-show discussion. Strategy Driven employs a lot of the concepts that you talk about in your book, but what I greatly appreciated about your book was twofold. One, it spoke to me about a lot of things I know that we can improve on on our website, so we're going to take advantage of your insights to do that. But two, what a great resource. I wish we had your book three years ago when we were growing up, as it were, learning through trial and error, because this would have just put us so far ahead of where we were and and where we are now, to be quite honest. Well, thank you. I'm I'm glad that it was helpful. And, And that's exactly the reason why I wrote the book was because there are so many small businesses out there that are trying to get grounded in social media. They want to make sure they're using their time and money uh, successfully, and they need a startup guide for it, and they don't have time or money to spare. Now, Gail, to start out our conversation, I did want to lay some groundwork for our audience. We're going to be very focused on social media marketing, and I was wondering if you might just describe or define what that is for our audience, and then if you could provide the most significant examples of that type of communication channel. Well, sure. Um, When I'm talking about social media marketing, 
I'm really talking about platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, as well as blogging, uh, platforms like YouTube and Flickr, and um, some of the social bookmarking sites like Dig and Delicious and StumbleUpon, and some lesser-known sites or specialty sites out there like Squidoo. Uh, every industry has some specialty mm -hmm. social media sites, for example, with authors and readers. There are sites out there like Shelfari and Goodreads and Author Nation, and that's where readers and authors get together. Every profession and industry now has specialized social media sites as well. So that's how I'm defining social media marketing as opposed to the broader universe of online marketing that can include autoresponders and email marketing and um, banner ads and so, um, search engine optimization and all of those kinds of things. So I'm, I'm drawing a bit of a distinction there and making a, a small tight circle around social media. Mm -hmm. And what I particularly like about the social media marketing is that it really is two-way, that you can connect with your customers where if you're just paying for a pay-per-click link, there's really no connection to the customers that way. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions that even people in the PR and marketing trade have about social media is they view it as, one more kind of broadcast medium, and it's mm -hmm. significantly different from that. I know one of the questions that I've been asked is, how do you determine the ROI for social media? Uh, you know, and how does that compare to radio and TV advertising? And, and I've got to yeah. say, you're asking the wrong question. How do you determine the ROI of your Chamber of Commerce membership? How do you determine your marketing luncheon groups that you go to or your BNI or your after, you know, after work uh, networking group because social media is a form of networking, not a form of advertising. And I think that's one of the biggest distinctions that people miss. That is a great distinction. I know it's one that I've missed for quite some time and, and have only come to better appreciate it by reading your book. Well, you can certainly um, broadcast information through your social media site in terms of the content that you post and the tips mm -hmm. that you share. And there has to be content in order for people to want to come back. But what really makes social media different from what I consider to be advertising is that ability and that desire for people to have a two-way conversation. So on social media, People want to connect with a person. They want to have a conversation. They want to make comments and have those comments answered. And so while you can skip that part, you're missing out on the real power of social media by treating it as a broadcast medium. And you're, you're never going to be able to calculate ROI as a broadcast medium. It really does function as a networking event. Now, Gail, you know, I recognize that some executives and managers still remain skeptical about the effectiveness of social media marketing. What are some of the quantifiable results that you've seen businesses realize after they've implemented this kind of, of strategy? Well, I think one thing that is telling is that there are an awful lot of huge companies that have gravitated towards social media mm -hmm. on the business-to-business -business and on the business-to-consumer side. So on the B2B side, you've got companies out there like Dell and Cisco and Elance and, and 
uh, Ernst & Young, who are out there on social media. On the B2C side, you've got you know, Coca-Cola, Nutella, and uh, Nike, and Kodak, and lots of name brands that have decided that social media is a valuable part of their mix. Now, social media isn't a magic wand, and it's not a silver bullet. By itself, it's not going to you know, make your company millions of dollars, but it should be a part of your marketing mix. And I, I'm pretty confident that those kinds of highly successful companies would not be wasting their time out there if they didn't see some additional benefit to having a presence out there. Now, Gail, do those companies measure their social media performance in, in some way, whether it's number of interactions or... Uh, oh, sure. They're looking at, at how active their sites are. They go into it with a strategy, and that's one of the things I preach with the 30 Days to Social Media Success book, is that you have to have a goal, a target audience, and a message. And if you are armed with that, then you will have a purpose for being on social media. So, for example, um, the Red Cross went out on social media because it had... Um, several not as successful ventures or performance uh, there for a few years. They were getting a lot of negatives, and they wanted to create a forum in which people could talk to them, tell them what their concerns were, and they could talk back and have a dialogue. So they went into it with a very specific purpose. I talked to the guy who was the head of the social media strategy for the Mayo Clinic, a very prestigious organization. You think everybody's heard of it. But what they realized was that people over 60 had a very strong impression of the Mayo Clinic. People under 50, not so much. And they knew oh. that the people under 50 were the ones who would be making the care decisions for their elderly parents. So in order to reach that 40-plus demographic, they started repurposing their content on uh, YouTube, started putting... Uh, audios out there. They created a very strong social media presence on Facebook and put themselves out there specifically to become a resource to a younger demographic so that when grandma or mom has to go have surgery, the Mayo Clinic is a known and trusted name. A couple of different examples there of very different reasons to be on social media but they knew what they wanted, and they created a strategy and an outreach to accomplish that. We've talked about social media as being affordable. Mm -hmm. What do you see as typically being the cost in terms of time and or money to implementing a social media strategy? Well, social media is free in the sense that Sites like Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn don't charge you a monthly fee to be part of them, mm -hmm. uh, at least at a basic level. They are not free in the sense that your time is worth something and they do require elbow grease. And that's a classic trade-off for business owners because it, it's always a question of do it yourself, save the money, hire somebody else, you know, save the time. Mm -hmm. In terms of your ability to reach people that you would not otherwise have any opportunity to meet or talk with because of geographic distance or time constraints, you know, if you think of how 
much of your time it takes to do lots of networking luncheons and breakfasts and after hours and evening programs, there's a significant cost in terms of your time. If you can do some of that networking to reach people that you wouldn't find in your local town or your region, and you don't have to invest the additional time to drive across town and park and and eat another chicken luncheon, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there is some cost saving there. The real issue is what goal do you want to achieve from social media? How valuable is it to you? And how much time are you willing to invest to use social media to help you achieve that goal? If you don't mind, mm-hmm. I'd like to spend just a little bit of time exploring the four major social media outlets that you talk about in your book, those mm-hmm. being Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and blogging. Mm-hmm. And so to start with Twitter, how should businesses use Twitter to reach their desired audience? Well, it depends, again, on what your goal is, who your audience is, and what message is going to motivate that audience to take the action necessary to help you achieve that goal. So maybe your audience wants motivational quotes. Well, Twitter is a great way to, sh- to save that. Maybe they want online deals of the day that they can't get anywhere else. And so you're tweeting links to deals that you only share with your Twitter followers. Maybe they want to be connected to other pieces of valuable information related to your product and service that will provide value to them. So you're tweeting links to interesting articles or snippets of industry news or insights on how to better utilize the product or service that you sell. It all depends on who your target audience is and what their need is and how you fill that need. But the great thing about Twitter is since the messages are so short, You can provide value without feeling the burden of having to write an entire article or several hundred words for a blog post. If you read a cool article in the Wall Street Journal this morning that you know your clients and prospects would be interested in and it pertains to your area of expertise, tweet the link and say, found this, thought it was great, and then send several more tweets kind of expanding uh, on your thoughts on that topic. That's a wonderful way to add value, and it's very simple. Sure. And I, for one, can relate to the time and energy it takes to create those several hundred mm-hmm. word blog posts because we publish them every week on Strategy Driven. And they do take a lot of time to write. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. If you're going to say anything worthwhile, it takes some time. But the great thing about Twitter is if you read a book, recommend the book add a few tweets about what you really liked out of the book. If you went to a trade show or you heard a speaker or you went to an event, tweet about it, include the link to the video. You know, there are so many ways that you can embed more content than just the 140 characters. So a link to a video on YouTube, a link to an audio, a link to a website. Those all create more value than you think you'd be able to get into 140 characters And it really makes it a worthwhile comment. And for the reader, it's also very concise. 
Sure. And so it's easy to absorb. Sure. So for a busy person, it can be very easy to just jump out there, get their morning dose of inspiration or news or insight, and go on with their day. Sure, sure. Now, Gail, moving on to LinkedIn, which I consider the business professional's Facebook. LinkedIn has a lot of different avenues to Mm -hmm. communicate with people and between people. How can it be used to market, again, to our target audience? Well, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter are very different. Facebook is a networking luncheon. Twitter's more of a cocktail party where you're just making short, witty conversation and then moving on. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn is more of a qualified business referral. You know, when you know somebody well enough to say, hey, let's have coffee. I think I've got some people I can refer you to and and um, gee, there's some people I'm hoping that maybe you can connect me to. There's a certain level of needing to know somebody well enough to do that, and that's where LinkedIn is. On Facebook and Twitter, it's all about meeting new people. On LinkedIn, it's about deepening the relationships you already have and reconnecting with the business network that you've lost track of because you moved or they moved or somebody changed jobs or whatever. And you really become more tapped into your sphere of influence. That has tremendous value just in terms of six degrees of separation because the most valuable things on LinkedIn is when you have people that are added to your connections, you can see who they're connected with. That's why it's so important to only connect to people that you know well enough to share a referral. And you'll find that if you're looking to be connected to someone, Someone in your network probably already knows that person or can get you one or two steps of separation closer. Let me give you an example. I okay. was reading a chapter for a book. I was asked to write a chapter in a book uh, about healthcare marketing, and I wanted to interview somebody out in California who had done a very leading-edge campaign, only he wasn't working with the ad agency that he had worked with at that time, and they didn't know where he was. So I typed his name in on LinkedIn, and I found out that a friend of mine in Manhattan knew him. Now, I had no reason to think that they had anything in common. They're on two separate, you know, opposite coasts. Mm-hmm. I emailed my buddy in Manhattan, explained why I needed to get a hold of the guy in California. He said, sure, I'll connect you. And half an hour later, there's an email from the guy in California going, hey, Mike said you needed to talk to me. How can I help? Oh, that's great. That's one of the real powers of LinkedIn is creating that kind of connection. The other thing is when you have the the wherewithal to stay in touch on a daily basis with your entire network, you're going to hear so much more intelligence chatter on the wire. You will know things. You will be able to put pieces together. You will be able to find opportunities because you've got your ear to the ground in a way that was never possible before. And I do find the the connections on LinkedIn again because because we're there to be those deeper more personal connections. Sure, and, because you're only supposed to be connecting with people that you have some reasonably you know significant link with. Right, right. Now, f- moving on to Facebook, mm-hmm. which is by far the most frequently used social networking site on the internet. Mm-hmm. What are the several ways that you can use Facebook as an effective way 
to market the businesses, products, and services? Well, you know, I've mentioned that in my book, Facebook is a networking luncheon that is 24-7 that has mm-hmm. a global audience. So it's all about reaching out to people, both people that already know you and people who don't know you yet but should, and providing enough valuable content and sense of personality that you draw them into your sales funnel. Facebook is a great opportunity because it is so multimedia. It's Mm -hmm. very easy on Facebook to share web video and audio, to share photos, to really bring people into your world, and it integrates all those pieces seamlessly. It also has applications that let you run some polls. If you market things on eBay, you can connect to eBay. There are so many ways that you can... uh, easily bring together different streams of information. And, of course, unlike your website, Facebook is very easy to quickly update. Uh, And unlike a blog, I think it shares multimedia information much easier. So it is a great landing page for people to get to know you a little better and have that two-way dialogue. And I have a lot of two-way dialogue going on on Facebook much more than I think I enjoy in a lot of other venues. Mm-hmm. So, and I find, for me personally, I have found in, in the luncheon setting that I have really been able to reconnect with more of my social network mm-hmm. on Facebook. The folks I went to high school with, um, all my close friends there, are the people I went to college with, and again, my close friends there. So it, it's really broaden my network because it focuses on a different aspect of my Well, and you bring up a good point there, which is while you may remember your friends from high school or college being stuck in your memory forever at about 18 or 21, they have grown up and, and become an adult and gone on to lead professional lives. They may be at a company or doing something where you could be a value to them or they could be a value to you, and you already have a connection in place. You just don't know each other well at this phase of your life. Social media lets you make that connection warm again beyond yes. just sending out your holiday card every year with the family Christmas letter. Um, and I do want to caution people. I, I think that if you want a Facebook page where you're just going to be sharing family news and pictures of the kids and the pets and the vacations, Lock that down, make it a, a personal page, and only invite people that you actually know as a friend in real life. On a business Facebook page, you may want to mention a little bit of those kinds of personal things the same way it would probably come up with con- in conversation at a networking luncheon, mm-hmm. but you really want the, the focus to be on the, on the business with little glimmers of your personality shining through. It really gets very muddy when you try to have one site handle all the cute pictures of your cats and portray you as a business professional. You really don't want to do that. Sure. Yeah, and, and I can see why. Sure. Yeah. You need some boundaries there. Yeah. Well, Gail, the last area that I wanted to focus on was that of blogging. Mm-hmm. And so many companies are using blogs today. How can they be most effective in using blogs to connect with and then retain their customers? 
Well, blogs are wonderful because unlike your website, they are user-friendly. You can easily update them, and they're very conducive to sharing content. Maybe not as multimedia-friendly as Facebook, but certainly for short uh, copy and some links to things, wonderful for that. Mm -hmm. I think that blogs have been very valuable for companies that have wanted to extend the value of their product. So, for example, if you want to educate your users on how to get more value out of your product or service, use features that they may never have used, uh, extend the life of a product, fix glitches, uh, use it in ways that might be off-label but are perfectly valid, those mm -hmm. are wonderful topics to talk about in a blog. You can also demonstrate industry leadership because if you are active in your industry and you're going to trade shows and conferences and listening to speakers and, and have access to resources that the average consumer or prospect of yours doesn't have, when you share tidbits of what you've learned, now that expertise rubs off on you. You're the credible expert, and that's going to burnish their view of you as a professional and as an expert. So those are all wonderful ways to use blogging. Uh, and there are as many ways to use blogging as there are companies. Some tech companies especially use blogging to share engineering features and answer uh, almost support desk kind of questions where they're mm -hmm. really engaging with their readers. And that this helps them also with R&D because the, re the actual users have a voice to be able to say, really liked your new camera, but it wouldn't stay on my tripod. Next time around, could you make the hole bigger? Sure. Gee, now they can <laughs> get that up the pipeline to say, great camera, doesn't stay on the tripod. So those kinds of serendipity wins come out of it, too. Uh, I think the biggest thing is to recognize that it's going to take a different approach for a corporation if they have been very used to having everything locked down and reviewed in triplicate and going through six layers of management before anything gets out the door. That's mm -hmm. not going to work. Yeah, that, that's a tough one to overcome. Because I have known companies to uh, institute blogs internally because their mechanisms for approving and releasing data or information or points of view externally is a little bit more rigid and slower than what a blog would demand. And I think that those companies are going to have to change or die because that kind of control can't last in an internet world. Um, and that is one of the things with any kind of social media marketing is once you put it out there, of course, everybody hopes that their content will go viral. But the very definition of going viral is that it's now beyond your control. Right. It will show up anywhere and everywhere. And that means that you don't control it. The best you can do is chase after it and try to take some notes. <laughs> exactly. Once it's there, it's there forever. And that is a whole different view of PR, customer relations than the traditional MBA view. And, and you know, yeah. I came up through the ranks. I have one of those traditional MBAs 
hanging on my wall. And I had to unlearn most of what they taught me because the world doesn't work that way anymore. Yeah, and for a lot of people, it's just downright scary. Oh, of course it is, but... um, Hey, look at the whole WikiLeaks thing. If if well, you know major governments can't keep a lid on what they're doing, neither can anybody <laughs> else. Welcome to the modern world. Welcome to the modern world is right. And that's oh. just the cost of doing business. Sure. Well, Gail, before we close, you have a website, and it's www.gailmartinmarketing.com mm-hmm. that provides access to additional resources and insights on affordable marketing techniques. Could you tell our audience a little bit about your website and some of the things they can find there? Sure, sure. Well, there are two free uh, downloadable e-books that you can get there. Uh, One is 154 Power Packed Marketing Tips, and the other one is on webinar marketing. Uh, Of course, there are also links to my uh, 30 Days to Social Media Success book, uh, which you can buy on Amazon and find in bookstores everywhere, as well as in FedEx office stores. Uh, there are resources there, articles, videos, audios. Um, if you're looking for a speaker, there's a whole section there on, on uh, the topics that I provide as a speaker as well as the group coaching program based on the 30-day guidebook mm-hmm. and uh, other corporate resources in terms of writing, one-on-one coaching and consulting that are available as well. But there are plenty of free resources and lots of good information, plus links to my Twitter page, which is Gail Martin PR, and my uh, Facebook and meetup groups. That's great. And we're going to put a link on the article accompanying this podcast. So with one simple click, our audience can get right to your website. Wonderful. Well, Gail, I want to thank you not only for your time, but for sharing your insights and approaches on effective marketing that really any small business or professional can afford. And as I mentioned before, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed your book, and I do hope that our listeners will pick up a copy of 30 Days to Social Media Success and put your approaches into practice so that they can help increase their networking, their touch with the audience. And, of course, at the end of the day, everyone wants to increase sales. Absolutely. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this special edition of the Strategy Driven Podcast. I would like to personally thank Gail Martin for being with us today and sharing her insights on implementing an effective, affordable marketing strategy. As always... We would appreciate receiving your feedback by email at podcast at strategydriven.com. If you enjoyed the show, please consider voting for us on Podcast Alley and visiting our website at www.strategydriven.com. You can find more information about Gail Martin and 30 Days to Social Media Success at www.gailmartinmarketing.com. Until next time. So long.